listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. You may be seated. Awesome. Thank you, worship team, for blessing us this morning. So good. Um, Awesome. Well, last week we began a sermon series called But God. And if you missed it, you can always go back and check it out on the podcast on, on our website or on iTunes. But, but honestly, this series is really near and dear to my heart. Because at the center of this series is unmerited mercy. Unmerited mercy. And, and I don't know about you, but that is something I am constantly in need of. Is, is, is mercy. And, and, uh, and, and this whole series has been built around Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, which uh, I think if, if we could begin to really grasp the truth behind these scriptures, they hold a power to transform our lives as individuals, but also the culture around us that we have influence over. I really believe that. And, and the scriptures read like this in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. If, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Um, otherwise, it's on the screen. And So verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And verse 4, here it comes. This is it right here, verse 4. This is, this is the goodness right here, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. I, I thought it was my own doing for a while, but I guess I was wrong. Like I thought I could earn it. I thought I could do all kinds of good works and do just do good things, you know, but... This scripture says, this is not of your own doing. It's not, not your own doing. It's a, it, it is a free gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Because if you can earn it, who gets the glory? You do, right? No, this is a free gift from God. It can't be earned. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus 
for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the good works come after the grace of God. It's the overflow of the grace of God, not the source of grace. And many of us have these but God stories. If you notice the breakdown in Scripture, verses 1 through 3 talk a lot about us being dead in our sins and trespasses and us living out those sins. And verse 4 comes in with this, these two words that are so transformative – but God. And it just transforms the whole passage, right? So many of us have these but God stories in our lives where our life was headed into chaos by choices that we made, right? Uh, We were crying, we were, we were carrying out the desires that were birthed out of our nature of our sin and we were the epitome of sons and daughters of disobedience like that was totally me when I was a kid a few weeks ago um, we had a at our five-year anniversary we had a a kids presentation where the kids kind of came up and like sang a song and did motions and stuff like that and it was so fun and exciting we had glow sticks it was a party basically and um, and there was one kid in the back, I, just like this. <laughs> nope, nope, not doing it. And I just had to laugh. I was, la- I was just like so happy to see that kid because that was totally me when I was a kid. My mom would sign me up for these plays in church that I did not want to do. And, and then she would make me do it and I'd just be like, nope. But sons and daughters of disobedience right? Living, living out the sin in our lives. And, 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 and verse 4 again, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. God had no reason to love us, but he did anyways. He, we, we gave him no reason to have mercy on us, but he did anyways. We certainly didn't do anything worthy of God sending his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, but he did anyways. This is the free gift of grace from the Father. We could never earn it. We could never do enough good things to merit it. And yet, he still gave it. This is the but God story for all believers. And verse 10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word workmanship, in Greek that word is poema, poema. It means a created work, a created work. Did you know that you are God's poema? That a work of art that came into being out of the creativity within the Father's heart. Like from now on when somebody says, man, Josh, you're a real piece of work. You can be like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I am a piece of work. 
I am a piece of created work. I am a poema. And, and, and if you didn't catch on already, um, uh, the word poema is actually where we get this Eng- the English word poem, right? That's where the word poem comes from. God has been in the process of writing an epic poem with your life since before you were born. And it's a masterpiece that will speak of his glory, right? Because it is by grace you have been saved. And the story of that work of grace in our lives is one of the most powerful tools we possess when sharing the gospel with people in our lives. Maybe you don't even know it yet, but you are God's workmanship, right? And maybe you're on the verge of your own but God story today. If that's the case, I want you to listen closely to this next story. I want to invite my friend Alex up right now. Alex is, uh, yeah, welcome Alex. Go ahead and grab that mic there. Um, This is Alex Navarro, and Alex and his family are just a huge gift to our church. And uh, a few, few, mm, I don't know, 10 years ago, I make a couple months ago, I don't, I'm, I'm bad with timelines, but, um, but, uh, but uh, a while back, Alex w- was asked to share at our men's breakfast, and I just was so moved by his testimony that I knew right then and there that he needed to share his testimony with our church family, and so I'm so excited to, to, uh, to have Alex share with you now, and, and, uh, and, I mean, this is just a great man right here. His only flaw is that he's a Golden State Warriors fan, so um, <laughs> go Cavs. Um, but uh, Alex has a really powerful story. So if you're on the verge of your own but God story, I want you to pay close attention to Alex's story. And so, Alex, would you just, just begin to share your story with us? Good morning, church. I was asked by the pastor to share my story, so I'm going to try to do that without crying. Um, I'm from Costa Rica. I don't know if you guys know where that is, but I'm from there. And when I was like six months, my parents separated. So my mom came here to the United States. She left me when I was six months, so I never got to meet my mom. I didn't know who she was. Uh, we stay with our dad. Uh, my dad used to have a problem with alcoholic, so he wasn't really with us either. So we were just like jumping from aunt to aunt, ankles. You're supposed to turn that off in church, man. It's God. It's God. Oh, hey, you better you better answer it, dude. You better you better answer it. That's okay. You better answer that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were used to just going from aunt to aunt, like stay for maybe two years, and then we would move on to another aunt. So we really didn't have a home ourselves. So we used to see our father probably, like, or my dad, I used to see him probably like two times a year, something like that. He wasn't really with us, but that's the only thing I had. Because I didn't have a mom, so when I was like around 
eight, uh, I was with uh, one of my cousins living in. Her husband was a pastor, so he took me to their church. It was a Christian church. So I just love it. I mean, I felt so great. I feel so good being right there. So I just give my life to Jesus. And I start going to church. And then when I was around 14, um, my dad passed away. He died. He, was, he died when he was 42. And I just got mad at God. I got so mad that I didn't want to do nothing with him no more. So I just stopped going to church. I didn't, I just got so mad because I used to ask him why he took the only thing I had as a parent, like parents for me, why he took that for me. So I came here when I was like around 16. I was 16 when I came here to the United States. And um, I just started going to school. I went like for two years to high school and after that, I met my wife when I was 17, and I just started hanging around with the wrong people. I started using drugs. I started using cocaine for 15 years. Um, during all the time that I was with my wife already, we, got, we dated for three years, and we, then we got together and we got our other daughter, Amber, and I was always using drugs. I was always using and using and using. And I just didn't care about life no more. I just... I just used to see the, the pain that I was causing to my kids, to my wife. And I just wanted to stop using, but it was so hard. It was so hard. And a couple of times I, I tried to leave it. But I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I just used to knock me down in bed, and I just couldn't get up. And I was just like in so much pain that I would have to go back. And I, as soon as I used it, everything would go away. But inside of me, I knew that God knew me from before. He knew who I was. But I was so mad at him that I just didn't want to ask him for nothing. I didn't want to ask him for help. I just didn't care. I just didn't care no more about nothing. So those 15 years that I was using cocaine, after that I started using crystal meth for the last five years, which that one, I mean, it's just, I just started using it like an everyday thing. It was an everyday thing. I used to be like, I could be standing up and I would just start bleeding from my nose, like a lot of blood. And my wife used to get scared and she used to tell me what was going on. And I just used to tell her that I, that it was nothing, that it was just blood. She didn't know. She never knew that I was using drugs. She thought that I was just getting crazy or I was possessed. That's what she used to think. Because um, I, never, I, I always um, bring my check to our house. I used to do other things, so I'd be able to get my drugs for free. So that's what I used to do. I used to, I used, I worked 10 years at LAX at the airport, so I used to open doors, elevators that they would keep security. So I would put in drugs and bring out money and stuff like that. So I would have my drugs with me, for me. So she wouldn't notice. But all this time, I didn't know that 
my wife always, uh, we were raised Catholic herself too. So she didn't know nothing about God, but she, she knew that there was a God. And she used to pray always for God to take care of me. She, every night she's just always crying and praying. And he did. He always was there watching me because I got stopped so many times with drugs in my pockets. And they never catch me. They never. I mean, one time they stopped me. I was drunk and I had drugs with me. And the sheriff just gave me a ticket for the wrong turn. And they even asked me, have you been drinking? I told them, yes, I was drinking. And they just didn't do nothing to me. So I, I, I knew that was guy right there taking care of me. So one day, I was, I was on drugs, and I just, I wanted to stop using because I knew it was wrong. I already have wasted 20 years of my life, and I just got in my knees. I got in my knees, and I asked God to, to help me. I asked him if he can please help me, that he was the only one that can get me out of there. So... After I got in my knees and I asked him, a week after, I got arrested. That was the first time I got arrested after I asked him. So I, because I got arrested, my wife found out, and that's, I didn't want her to find out that I was using. So after she found out, I just called her from the police station, and I asked her if she can get me out. And she just, I remember she just told me that that she was living, we used to live in Glendale, that's the LA area, and we were supposed to be having, we were, had a house here in San Jacinto. So she told me that if I wanted help, she was gonna get me out, but the only way would be if I was, we were moving here, and just forget about everybody that I knew over there, so I can be able to stay away from the drugs. So. And she told me, if you don't, just stay here then and die by yourself. And I just didn't want that. I didn't want uh, my kids to grow up without a dad like I did. So I decided, and she did get me out. Got me out, and then we decided to move here. So I went to Kaiser. I used to have Kaiser. And they, they had a program uh, for a rehab 21 days, and I went to sign up, and that person that I talked first, that I was supposed to talk to him, I think was like a psychologist, something like that, he told me that, he goes, this is off the records, uh, right here we can give you advice, we can give you everything, but you need to look for spiritual help. That's the only thing that's going to help you. And so I did the program, and then court gave me another program for six months. And I just, so we moved here, and after we moved here, I went back to Glendale. And I went to, to the police station to look for those cops that arrested me that day. And I just told them that I was so grateful because I knew that God put them so, so I can get out of there. I knew that the guy wanted to change my life through them. So they were 
surprised that someone was thanking them for arresting them. So, <laughs> but I just I needed I need them to know that I was thankful. Even they arrest me, but I was thankful that they did arrest me because I knew where I was coming from. So once we moved here, my wife told me, okay, um, we're going to help you. So I left my job. I broke my phone. I didn't want to have contact with no one. My wife told me, um, we're going to help you, but um, there's going to be rules on the house. You, you're not allowed to have cash. You're not allowed to to lock yourself in the bathroom when you go to the restroom, when you take a shower, because I used to do it in the house. I used to do it, I mean, every day at my house. And I remember Melissa, my younger once, she was little, and she, I used to do Christmas at the house. And in that stays in there, and I remember she used to be, like, pale, and she was always looking very sick and skinny. And we used to wonder what she was like that. She was always, like, like bad, and... And it was because of that I, I knew, and I feel bad that my job was supposed to take care of them, not hurt them. So when we moved here, one of the rules was that, yeah, I don't like myself in the restroom when I shower, go to the restroom. And I remember my son, Alex, he was 13. So he was 13, and he would go and knock at the door and open it, Daddy, are you okay? Daddy, what are you doing? And it was just so sad to see my kids doing So my wife told me that we needed to look for a spiritual help, and I told her that that, that, was, okay, that, that was fine. We're going to do it. Uh, we're going to look for a Christian church. So we started looking, and... They give their life to Jesus. They decide to follow him. They got baptized. And I just... So grateful that I... I asked God for help. Because he was the only one that was going to get me out of there. This this was in 2008. So since 2008, I've been from drugs and alcohol. I used to have an alcohol problem too. So since 2008, and just every day that I see my kids worshiping, praying to God, it's just, I feel so, so grateful to God that he's been giving me the, the second chance. Yeah, it's great. Man, is that a powerful story. And uh, I want to invite the other half of the story, Monica, on up here. So, can we welcome Monica? You can see he was giving us his back over there because he yeah. didn't want to look at me. <laughs> we were all, I, was, I was crying too. So I was asked to share the journey as his wife. Um, through the addiction. It was hard. But I think mainly it was hard to see my kids go through that. 
And <clears throat> it wasn't only for me, it wasn't only because of me, but I think it's, the kids had a lot to do with that. We are a family, and we all stuck together with God's help to be able to get them out of that addiction. I remember I told him that he needed to stop um, working because of the pains and the withdrawals. They were horrible. It was so much pain, and he would get in bed, and he would say, it hurts so much. It hurts me so much. And... Um, Part of the condition was that he'd stop working. So I used to drive to Glendale every day for about a year and a half, two years, back and forth. So he didn't have to go to work right there and then. And um, it was tough, but I remember that I accepted um, Jesus in the car with um, K-Wave. And I asked him to please help me because I knew that he was the only one that can be able to helped me with the strength that I needed to go to work. And I used to go in, I had to leave my house at 5 so I can be back by, um, get out at um, 5 in the afternoon and didn't get home till 7. And then I would come and see him, like, you know, so mad all the time. And then just seeing my kids, you know, it was really painful. But um, I think that with God, anything is possible. He gave me the strength. He gave me the courage, and um, we did it all together as a family, and I'm so thankful for my, my children. They're just amazing kids, all of them. I mean, all three of them. <laughs> and, um, but um, praise God, because, you know, if, if any of you is going through anything, um, whether it's whatever it is that you guys think that you guys can't handle, or take care of on your own, give it all to God. God will help you through it. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, he, just get on your knees and pray and give it all to him. And um, because of what happened, um, I think that God got us, you know, uh, closer to him. And um, now, you know, whatever we do is like, you know, we pray about it. We get on our knees and and God is in control of our lives, not us. God is, and we just have him uh, do everything. And at that time, we just, we just came over here with nothing other than our clothes, our shoes, and maybe three TVs and Alex's Junior's PlayStation. But then it got all ruined. But that was it. Everything else we gave away, and I told him I don't care. I'm not a materialistic woman. Um, all I want you to do is to get better Whether you know, uh, whatever God's plan is, and I see a lot of homeless out there, and I think that I just was sharing that with the pastor that sometimes we judge these homeless people, but it's not easy. We don't know the story behind. You know, we have a story, and people just don't know what the story behind. They probably didn't have that family to be able to be supportive or a home or anything, but when I look at these homeless people, um, I pray for them, and, and I ask that God, you know, puts someone in their path so they can get away from whatever their addiction is, and um, I know I have like three, five minutes, so if I don't stop now, I'll keep talking, because I'm the talker, <laughs> but well, um, anyways, um, no, through, through Christ, Sorry. everything's done. You know, we just put our faith in God, and, and anything will be, 
anything that you're going through, it doesn't matter what it is, he mm -hmm. will provide. That's right. I think the thing that strikes me the most about the Navarro family story is that when you guys first came to the mission, it, it was Alex and Rochelle, and I got to spend a lot, a little bit of time with them. And then one Sunday they said, oh, our, our family's coming, you know? And, and then the next thing I know, a whole row is taken up with Navarro <laughs> people. And, and, and it's awesome. And, you, and I just remember looking uh, down that row and thinking, like, what a beautiful family. God is obviously at work in this family. It's, it's amazing. But then you hear the story behind it. And I think that is so powerful because each one of us has our own story that is at work. And you just never, ever know what someone else has had to go through. You know, you just never know. You can't judge, I, I, cliche, but... You can't judge a book by its cover. Just because somebody looks like they have it all together doesn't mean they do or they always did. And, and so I guess one of my questions for you, Alex, is, is how has your life changed since your but God story began? Like, what, what's your life like now? Well, now um, I just pray a lot. I see life different. I see it more positive and... And I know that it doesn't matter the trial that I'm going through the moment. I just need to pray about it. And I know that it's going to be okay because I know that he is in control, not me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And Monica, how, how do you think your family journey has affected your kids' faith? I think in a positive way because he's seen the miracle just by looking at my husband being here with us, um, with all that time doing his, the meth and the cocaine and the drinking, and um, I actually never noticed it, that he had a drug problem, just because you, normally you say, oh, well, they're skinny, you know, and he actually, for some reason, was overweight, not skinny, so it was the other way around, but he said he used to eat a lot, even though he didn't want to, so I would never um, see that. And he used to scratch a lot, but he worked with um, making pizzas. So he used to tell me that it was the dough. It was actually <laughs> the flour that got him, you know, itchy. <coughs> so he had, he, he's a smart man. You know, he knew. He knew. And towards the end, he just started hallucinating and seeing things. And um, at times he would tell me that there was um, skunks outside that he, he's scared of skunks because he was scared of getting peed on. And so he would tell me to come and scare him away with water or something. So it was never something there. But um, there were a lot of symptoms that he was having that because of it wasn't for God, you know, and the bleeding of his nose. And when he went for a physical, I surely thought that there was going to be something wrong with his organs, something, you know, wrong. And glory be to God, because there was nothing. God is merciful, loving, mm -hmm. and there mm -hmm. he stands, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And the, our kids, you know, because they were with me through the whole journey, you know, I just, I just love my kids. And there's such, like, I can say it over and over again, is like, if it wasn't for my kids, too, they were actually the support. They were supporting me as well and giving me the strength to keep going on mm -hmm. because I had to do something. You know, I didn't want them to be growing up without a dad. And um, they all saw dad, and I think that was, like, 
th that their faith now is like that they see that there's a miracle right here and it's all because of God. You know, mm -hmm, he's mm -hmm. here because of his mercy, his love, his forgiveness. And I think there's, their faith is strong because of that. Yeah, yeah, there's no, no doubt there. Do you, Alex and Monica, do you guys feel like there is a, a scripture that sums up your story and, and what God has done in your life? Well, I want to share this because the scripture that he has, um, we like to, I love to sit down with the family and watch Christian um, movies just because it's just, the story is very touching and how God works in all kinds of families. And I, I just love to feed our, our bodies with positive stuff, you know. Um, and we were watching two actually movies. We were crying. When was it? Saturday night or Friday night? We were just crying all of these movies. So God talks to us through radio, through movies, through people, through it doesn't matter where. And um, this is what the, the, the scripture said. The Lord hear his people when they call him for help. He rescued them for all their troubles. And that's Psalm 34, 17. Woo! That's good. And another one uh, that is one of my favorites is that uh, Ephesians 6, 11, that we need to put the armor of God so we can stand firm mm -hmm. against evil. Because that's the way I feel. That's, I think that's my personal mm -hmm. verse, yeah. Ephesians 6, 11. And, and what's, I, I knew that you would have a scripture that would sum up your story because Alex is the scripture man. I don't know if you know this, but uh, in our men's group, Alex, every morning at 7.30, sends whoever is on his men's group text list, sends us a scripture to read first thing in the morning, and sometimes we, we talk back and forth about the scripture, but it's just a really cool, from, from doing, you know, crystal meth to leading men in scripture reading every day, like, what the heck, that is a but God story, right? <laughs> so... Um, so, uh, Alex, I, 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 I mean, Monica already kind of answered this question, so I'll direct it at you, but uh, if there's someone here today that is running from their but God story, if they're running from it, like you said in the very beginning, um, your, your dad died, and, and the grief of that caused you to turn away from God, and and that's, that's just, you know, side note, it's so important that we grieve well, that we learn to grieve well and in healthy ways. But um, what, would, what would you say to someone who was in your shoes back then now, being through every, going through everything that you've been through? Um, I think that, um, well, it doesn't matter what kind of addiction is it, um, drugs, alcohol, or something else. I think we just have to open our heart and just cry out to him because he's there for us. We just have to ask him. Like, I knew he was there, but I was just didn't want to ask him. To the time that I did, and that's when he did the change in my life. So just don't give up and just get on your knees and ask him because he is there. Mm -hmm. Amen. Will you give it up for these guys? Thank you so much, guys. I'm going to call the worship team up. And uh, 
Man, what a powerful story, right? Wouldn't you call that story a masterpiece? Wouldn't you call that story a work of art? Like, and God is at work the same, the same masterpiece that he created in Alex and Monica's life. There's a unique masterpiece being made in you today through, through the Father. You are his, his poema. You are created. You are his workmanship. You come from the creative place in the Father's heart. That's what you were made from. And so I want to I just open it up for prayer now. Um, we're going to take our offering in just a moment. But during, as this next song plays, if you feel like you want to pray, you want to talk to someone, something that Alex and Monica said struck you and you need to process, like we are here, we're not just a church, we're a family. And that means we carry the heavy stuff with, for each other. You don't have to carry it alone. And we may not have all the answers, but we'll be there. So I just want to pray for our offering right now as the ushers come forward. Father God, we thank you. Father, that we are your workmanship. Lord, that the powerful stories, I'm sure there are endless stories of how you were merciful and loved us when we didn't deserve it. I'm sure there are so many in this room and we could spend all day just rejoicing in those stories. Father, we thank you that the work you started us in us isn't complete yet. That we are still in process. And we will come to completion on the day that we see Jesus face to face. We thank you for loving us when we didn't deserve it. We thank you for having mercy on us, though we don't deserve it. Thank you for your free gift of grace. Thank you that you are rich in mercy and abounding with love. Father, we bring before you what is already yours now as we bring our, our offerings to you, our, our tithes, Father, we, we bring it, Lord. We don't, we don't give it to you because, Lord, we can't give you anything. Everything that we have is from your hand. And so we give back to you what is already yours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.